Welcome to the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of Brian, your host, and his guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested. So please consume at your own risk. Now, here's Brian. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome back to the program. I have a special guest today. Her name is Charlene Paul. She is the author of Devotion, Deception, Deliverance, Isaac's Story. And rather than try to explain what this is about, I'm going to read one of the testimonials of her book by Portia Lauder. And she says this, It was interesting to see how life was, not only as an FLDS member, but being part of Warren Jeff's family. A shocking and mesmerizing story of faith, abuse, courage, and freedom. The writing is lively and full of engaging dialogue. Isaac's life is nothing short of astonishing. I am impressed by this account. It is well written, and there is a blend of honesty, acceptance of the reality, genuine emotion, and insight. Charlene writes about the struggles in the FLDS without embellishment or sensationalizing the story. I loved this book. Charlene, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about this phenomenal book of yours. Let's just get into it. Tell me why. Okay. Tell me the story. Why'd you, why'd you write this? How'd you find Isaac? Let's just go, Isaac let's just kind of, he, he actually kind of found, well, we, I guess we kind of found each other. I was working at, um, I had traded for a, a booth at a family history expo in St. George. And I, I did a lot of their writing advertising and with the magazines and the and newspapers and things and so they traded a booth for me and at the time I was writing for a, a regional magazine and for our small hometown newspaper down there and proofreading but proofreading was my business and I'm thinking I don't know what I need a booth for but okay so we um I, I got up and walked around it was a I'm trying to think of how many days it was Two or three days, I I can't remember. I think this was back in twenty seventeen, maybe. It was it was before the world shut down in twenty twenty, oh, yeah. and and um, we were just walking around. My daughter and I were walking around, meeting people, introducing people, and I'm handing out my business cards just because. And I came up on this cute little booth that sold freeze-dried food. And there was a little mom there and she was pregnant and she had this little, I think he was two. And I gave her my card and asked her for her card. And she said, oh, you're a writer? And I said, I am. And she said, you have to hear my husband's story. Well, the other thing that I was doing when I was there was I taught a, a class on how to write your stories, not your not your history. Writing the thought of writing a person's history is so daunting to me, I, in, and it becomes like a travel log. You know, I was I was born here, and then I walked here, and by the time you've got up to second grade, nobody wants to hear any more of your story. Just so the facts, just, ma'am, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just teaching them how to write their stories, and that and that it's life through their eyes, and leaving that for their posterity. So. So when she started to tell me this story about him, I, I said, well, has he written this? 
And as I asked that, here comes this six foot five, very tall, nice looking young man uh, around the corner. She says, oh, this is my husband, Isaac. This is Charlene. Charlene, this is Isaac. And she wants to know about your story. So he kind of gave it to me in about a 10 or 15 minute nutshell. And you've read the book. Yes. That's this much, just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of what he gave me. And what he gave me, I'm sure, is just a, a millimeter of what actually uh, went on in his life. And, you know, as as with all of us. So after about 10 or 15 minutes, maybe, I looked at him. I said, have you written this story? And he said, no, no, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. You're kind of with that Southern Utah drawl. And I said, I, I don't care if you're a writer or not. You need to write this story. And he said, no, but I'm not a writer. I'm not. I said, I, I don't I don't care. <laughs> Your posterity needs this story. People need to read this story. This is, in my mind, such a unique story because we hear it from the the women, you know, former FLDS women who have left the, the church and I mean, escaped and want nothing more to do with it. But to hear this from a man's point of view and a man's point of view who wanted to get back in after he was kicked out. It's just, it's just a perspective I think that people need to read. And again, he said, Jim, no, I'm not a, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. So I said, well, I'll help you write it. Like how, how hard can it be to write a book? Right. I've written all kinds of things for lots of years. How hard can it be to write a book? The answer is really hard. It, it really hard. And, and, um, so he said, well, I've talked to other people about my story and, and all of them promised me that we could make a million dollars on this story. And I said, I can't promise you one thin dime, but I can promise you that I'll help you get it written. And he reached his hand out and shook my hand and said, let's do it, which surprised the heck out of me. But from that point on, we, we interviewed, it took about four and a half years of interviews, untangling those interviews, trying to to source things, um, make sure that it was, you know, if, if it was an actual quote from Brigham Young or Joseph Smith or Warren Jeffs or Rulin Jeffs, that that was, that was sourced. So it took a long time to write it, but yeah, that's, that's, it was just kind of a, a fluke. If I hadn't walked around, if I had just stayed at my booth and smiled as people walked by, <laughs> I would never have met him. Was it tough to get information, historical information from the FLDS club? Because they are I mean, they're pretty I secretive never, about everything, are they not? Yeah, I I tried. You know, surely they've got a website or something, right? No, um, no, they don't. And and reaching out, I, I never did reach out to any of them because, well, first of all. Warren Jeffs is in prison, life plus 25 years. I, he would never have spoken to me. And and they're very, very, very protective. See, when Isaac got kicked out, he ceased to exist. My The publisher kept asking me for pictures. We need pictures. We need pictures. We need pictures. And I said, there are no pictures. He said, there have to be pictures. Said, there are no pictures. They destroyed him because he just ceased to exist and so trying to get information from them they they view him as a, an evil deceiver and if they even talk about him or mention his name 
that's a that's a horrible thing. So I I sourced a lot. I found some um, some credible sources um, to research and go back in time and and that. And so yeah, but as far as the FLDS, nothing from them. Yeah, that's tough. And that's you know it just it just adds to the mystery and the the weirdness when yeah. things are hidden. It just makes people make up their own story in their mind. But I and I think also um, I really want I I had never thought about it being a human trafficking thing. Although you know he gets kicked out, his wife gets wife and kids wives and kids get taken away from him. They get assigned to other men, and then assigned to other men, and then assigned to other men never dawned on me that this was human trafficking but it is and it's and and human trafficking in the name of god under the protection of a tax exempt status from the united states government is still this is still happening in the 25th year of the 21st century in the united states and canada and england and mexico and 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 but it is alive and thriving and here in the state of utah yeah it's it's a it's a mess it's a huge mess and i would like to see that changed and the only way i believe that that's going to change is pressure from the outside pressure from outside of utah and so i really would like this book to get out well everywhere but but east of the colorado river because I've got friends, I've got a friend in New York who had never heard of the FLDS church, didn't even know what polygamy or plural marriage was. And, you know, certainly that was just back in ancient days. And it's like, no, no, it's going on now. And so that's. It's interesting when I was talking with my friend yesterday, who, for those that, you know, don't know, uh, a friend of mine works with uh, people with dyslexia and she had a a polygamous family stay with her for a couple of weeks while she was working with one of their children. And so they got to asking each other, you know, they were asking my friend about the LDS church. And I, ironically enough, at that same time, my friend's daughter got her mission call so that the LDS or the FLDS family got to see that happening. And so they started asking questions back and forth. And she said that right now, or the, the way that wives and marriages are assigned are from Warren Jeffs directly. And right now that's not happening because he's in prison or jail or wherever he's at. So P she said, people are not getting married. Young girls aren't getting assigned. He was the only one that can do that. So they're not getting married right now, which is, I find I really interesting. Well, and, and, and I did learn from Isaac and then from another organization that works with helping to, um, you don't get them back into society because they've never been in society, but helping them, the ones that have left for, for whatever reason, kicked out, escaped, um, be able to, to get into society, helping with education, with, um, with housing, with, uh, you know, um, psychological stuff. Just, just, I, I have learned that within the FLDS church, the year, the marital relations, even with those who are married, it's not allowed right now. There's a, a group of about, I think, 15 men 
who have been assigned as seed bearers. Wow. And, and, bearer. it's, and it's exactly, machine. yeah. And it's exactly what you, what you think it is. If, if a woman chooses to have a child, then, then one of these seed bearers, um, takes care of it in the name of the priesthood and, and with the, with the husband there supporting her. It's, it's, it's so twisted and so sick and wrong. It's just, you know, and, and right now they, through Warren's son, Helaman, who is the, the mouthpiece for his father. Um, so he says it has called for a gathering and, a, and um, he said it would be, I, I went to a press conference about this in April and at that point in time, about four and a half years left. So we're, we're getting down to um, three and a half, maybe four years where this gathering needs to take place. And he's wanting everybody to come back, especially the children, the children that have gone with their parents, bring them back <clears throat> because there's going to be a, you know, a gathering, special gathering, and they're all going to be translated. But the caveat is that the children have to die first. And, and I mean, this is a for real thing. And so <clears throat> those who have escaped without their children are terrified. They, and, and a lot of them can't find their children. They can't, they can't, it's, it's, I mean, the stories are heart-wrenching, absolutely heart-wrenching. And I hope um, through these organizations, I hope through the, the legal system that we don't have another Jonestown or I was gonna say this rings exactly of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it is terrifying. It is terrifying. Um, I think we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves. I wonder if you can give a, a just a summary without giving your book away. Yeah. Of what it's what's it about and Isaac's story. So people, you know, give them enough to they'll want to go read it because it's such a good story. And I have to say, when I was reading it, I felt I felt anxiety the entire I mean it was gripping, but I felt so much anxiety for him. And the fear that they these people lived under, and the power that Warren Jeffs had on an entire town, is like beyond evil and mind blowing. That they had he had so much, whatever he said, that was it. And again, like like some people might say, well, you know, you LDS people, if Russell M. Nelson says something, you guys do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and if the it, the Pope says something, the Catholics do it. If the you know, it, it's just. So his story is that when he when he told it to me in a nutshell, um, he was married. I had two wives. He was <clears throat> he was raised in Sandy, Utah, and then um, right before the, I'm trying to think if it was it was in the two, early 2000, like 2000. It was definitely before the the Salt Lake Winter Olympics. That was going to be the end of end of times because you know all this evil was coming in to um salt lake and and so rulin jeffs through warren jeffs now at this point in time rulin the leader of the church was uh he was very sick had had some strokes and so warren was speaking for him or so he said and they gathered up everybody from sandy and moved them down to um short creek so colorado city arizona hilldale utah they're border cities and they they're known as it's known as short creek 
And so Isaac moved his, his, he was married there. It just had one wife at the time with, with uh, two kids. And I think one on the way and then did what was supposed to be done. Just working, trying to support his family, um, ended up with a second wife. And within weeks of getting this second wife, he was called to a mission in Texas. And this at this point in time was when Warren Jeffs was, they had bought this big compound down there, 1,700 acres, I think. Um, they were going to build a temple and and only certain people, um, those righteous enough, could were going to be called there. And Isaac was called on this mission, was not allowed to tell anybody including his wives, where he was going. And he couldn't have told them where he was going anyway because he didn't know. He just knew that he was going on a mission and and wouldn't know until he got there and didn't know how long he was going to stay, didn't know. You know, they were working these men. And I sourced this one because when he said it, I'm thinking, man, this is an exaggeration beyond anything that I can think of. But they worked those men 22 hours a day, seven days a week. And they expected, he expected them to fast sometimes for three days with just water and and uh, it's mind-boggling i don't know how he didn't kill them all just doing that but he was doing working you know concrete heavy heavy machinery um heavy construction trying to get these homes built trying to get this temple built and so that they could redeem zion and uh, after he'd been there for about Nah, somewhere nine, 11 months, something like that. Um, he got word through the bishop down there from Warren Jeffs that he was no longer worthy to hold priesthood. And he, he, he was done. He'd lost his family. He'd lost his, it, it lost everything because they don't own anything. They don't own their, they didn't, didn't own the land. They didn't own their homes. They didn't, they, that all came through a, uh, the United Effort Plan that Warren Jeffs was the president of. And so that began Isaac's journey of trying to prove his worthiness to get his family back. And that was, that's the, that's what they hold over their head. That if you, and, and, and in the FLDS church, it's one man rule. At the beginning, way, way, way back when they broke off from the mainstream LDS church, it was a, a council of friends. So five or seven men, depending on the, the point in history. When Warren Jeff's dad, Ruland Jeff's got in, he changed the council of friends to one man rule, meaning there's no checks and balances. And he speaks for God. And if you disagree with him or if you disobey or if you don't follow his counsel, then it's like face to face telling God, yeah, well, I, I'm not going to do what you say I'm going to do. And so, you know, there was there was no way to dispute anything. You just and Isaac wasn't disputing things. He wanted to talk to Warren Jeffs because he was questioning thoughts that he was having in his mind. He was questioning himself, not questioning the prophet and their prophet. It's like a child and, blaming themselves for an abusive adult's behavior. And that's what they absolutely a hundred percent. They loved, they loved, they loved this man. They adored him. And I guess uh, it's all, you know, it's all, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and he had been, uh, he was the, the principal of Alta Academy up in Sandy. Warren just was, and he, I mean, he was in his early twenties when he first got like 21, when he got appointed to this. And this was the FLDS private school that the kids went to. Isaac went 
and graduated from there. Isaac graduated as the valedictorian of his class. And, and I think he graduated early and started teaching school as what they considered an accredited teacher as soon as he graduated high school. And, uh, and he, I mean, he just grew up with, with Rulin Jeffs and Warren Jeffs and, and, and would never think of, he, he, he loved the way Warren Jeffs presented his talks and his sermons, his daily morning sermons. And honestly, I, oh, his voice, I, I'd listened to hours of his voice and I, I, uh, he knew what he, he knew what he was doing. It's a very hypnotic voice. And, um, and so Isaac spent years trying to get back into the church, found out that his kids were, had been gathered up when the Texas authorities um, rounded up all the children from the compound down in El Dorado, Texas, and attempted to get them back. Um, attempted to get his, just attempted to get his priesthood back, worked like a dog trying to get, oh, for, he, for, he you know. Right. He did everything yeah. right. And yeah, and, I, and, never... I, and I'm talking for a long time, I'm talking like eight years. Yeah. And and it's just, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, you know, Les Mis. Have you ever seen Les Mis? Yes. Where where the, the Jean Valjean cannot get a break cannot get a break and and you just think that at some point in time this thing's going to end you know like a disney film everybody in the end you know the mermaid gets her legs and the you know the, the princess gets her prince and and les mis doesn't end that way and neither does isaac's story and it's it you know when you said you were that it caused a lot of stress while you were reading it and I had to walk away from it several times. In fact, there were a few times that I thought I can't, I can't do this. I can't write this. It's, um, it's affecting my spirituality, definitely affecting my spirituality and affecting my, not so much my faith, just my understanding of things that I thought I understood. And um, so I walked away from it a few times. I didn't tell Isaac that I walked away from it, but I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, is pretty heavy beyond heavy it, it was hurting my heart the whole way through and because he was doing so many things right and doing everything he thought was right and just being screwed six ways from sunday at yeah. every turn yeah and and i i i mean he's not perfect he's he's a human being but but i've really never met anybody quite like him just is so i mean he can quote he can quote the Book of Mormon frontward and backward, and he can quote Joseph Smith. I, I sourced a few of those. Uh, the the quotes weren't exactly, you know, uh, word for word or or even the meaning in that. But he has so much faith and so much hope, and just wanted to be a a good man. That's still what he wants. If you ask him, what, what do you want, Isaac? I just want to be a good man. I just want people to know that I'm a good man and I was a good man and, and over and over and over again, that it's what he wants and it's what he still wants. And, um, and yeah, and then to see he's a, 
he's someone like him is a perfect one to abuse and it is it is abuse what they what they do to these well i think it's physical abuse the way that they work them and if you think that they get compensated for for that kind of work they really don't and but the mental abuse the spiritual abuse the the psychological abuse is rampant and it's and it runs deep it runs really 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 deep and i don't know how you untangle that i don't know i don't know how you untangle that whole being brought up that way it has to die out literally with generations i think it's so deep you can't just yeah. even if you like cut the head off the snake the mentality of those who were trained by the snake i would assume this the stockholm syndrome yeah yeah and and they're still they're still listening to him and as a matter of fact um do you know why he's still in prison i do not i mean aside from uh the you know underage marriages rape whatever else he was found guilty of and and received a life plus 25 years sentence in texas He's still in prison because his followers don't have enough faith to pray the walls down. And that's the message he's sending them still. So it's blaming them still for his psychotic, narcissistic, evil tendencies. It's beyond. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. And they, the power. And they believe it. And they, I, the thing that I, the thing that bothers me um, in society is when they hear these kind of stories, my, my uh, father-in-law's sweet little, 84 year old girlfriend read the book and, and she said, you know, it was really well written, Charlene. It was this, it was the, what did she tell me? It was the saddest book I've ever read, but it's, but it was really, it was really well written, but I do not understand how those people can allow themselves to be so brainwashed. And I said, you have to stop right there. They're not allowing themselves to do anything. You're judging this coming from, from the point of view of someone who was raised to believe that freedom of thought, freedom of expression, um, gaining knowledge, that that was the way to do things. These people, generational, are, are they, they are fed what to believe, what to think, what to learn, what they can read, what they can't read, what they can see, what they can't see. And, and newspapers, the internet, secular books, that is not allowed. And so, and so I get, I, I get a little port and I have to be really careful with that when talking to people, when they, they make those comments about, you know, how could, how could they allow themselves? It's like, it's a fair argument from, from the perspective that we have. Yes, it is. In fact, um, let me see if I can find it really quick. Isaac, in the introduction to the book, he says, so why didn't I just walk away? It wasn't that easy. We were taught that family was the most sacred blessing in mortality. Therefore, if a man brought condemnation upon himself and thus his family, he should be sent away so they could continue working toward their salvation and exaltation. And then he says, um, you know, it'd be so easy from the outside looking in to say you were a grown man. You know, how, how could you let that happen? And he says, I've asked myself that question a million times. The answers are complicated. Being raised in the FLDS church and community, our learning was carefully guarded and guided. When Warren Jeffs took over leadership of the church, he began banning all books other than his own writings and certain scriptures. 
He banned the internet, newspapers, and almost any other outside information. We were taught that the Gentile world was wicked and full of evil deceivers, whose mission it was to destroy God's people. We feared displeasing God and his prophet, and we knew that the ultimate punishment for doing so was the loss of our families. The threat was always there. That's what and, I felt when I was reading it, is I felt that threat. The yeah. way he wrote it, the way he told it. That's what I was feeling. It's frightening. It's like you are exhausted. I was exhausted reading and like this guy, like I just wanted him to take a nap. I know. So I know. When he was working those long hours, just let the boy sleep. Yeah. 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 You know, that's and that's that's very extreme, but we have a lot of that in the L the, the mainstream LDS culture where the the culture has sometimes trumped the gospel in where oh if someone's got tattoos or if they drink or if they smoke all the you know the word of wisdom issues that's related oh they they are bad people that's taught to our little kids maybe it maybe it's changing but that's i've raised my kids in this and some of the things that they've said aren't things i've specifically taught them but they picked up from the culture. So I get it. If that's all yeah. you know and all you hear. And well, and, and someone... fear, I mean, there's a really fine line between faith and fear, <laughs> um, fear of losing our families. And I'd say I'm the fly in the ointment in the, in the Sunday school classes and the Relief society classes, because I have a couple of kids, a couple of sons who are heavily tattooed. One's in medical school. One's a paramedic. Great guys. And if they ever come back to church, I want them to be able to walk in and not have somebody give them a second look. They're just they're just there. It's not, you know, it's not a big deal. I I just I have a tendency to to um, I've learned a lot from raising my kids in this church and having a couple of them, well, a few of them just kind of walk away. Um, they're still really good people. They're still doing very good things. They're still living parts of the gospel, whether they know it or not, um, if they're breaking the word of wisdom or the, you know, they swearing or they're whatever it is that they're doing. Um, they're still really good people. They're, they're giving service. They love their families. They, they're, you know, making a living for them. They're, uh, they're some of the best people that I know. And, and I think that we, we lose out on a lot by by judging that, you know, if somebody comes to church and they smell like smoke, I think we should rejoice at that, not kind of go, mm, mm, I'm not sitting next to him, you know, or her. So, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. I've been in for 29 years. I've never smelled anyone smelling of smoke ever. 17 of those years have been in Utah. The rest were outside yeah. Utah. I've never seen that. Not yeah. that that's Are a, it's not like the, church is banning people like that from coming to church it's not right interesting not i know we hear that but i've never experienced yeah that with anyone. I, i've experienced it a few times and i know there was one lady in our uh, one of the wards that i was in that would wear pants to church and you and you would have thought that <gasps> no. you know it's like and i'm going but With she's here she's here we i wore levi's in a uh t-shirt to a ward we were camping and I, I, we didn't know we were going to be there on Sunday. We didn't bring Sunday clothes. And been Sunday clothes in a tent. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So we went into church and it was testimony meeting and I felt like bearing my testimony. So I walked up to the front of the church in my jeans and my t in my t-shirt and bore my testimony and thought, you know, what, I, this is the best I've got today. So uh, nobody said anything. And uh, used to that. I don't know. What's that? We're not used to that. We're not used to get everyone. There's a uniform basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I, I want to give the story away, but I don't want to give the story away. Yeah. What's the biggest, like the feedback you've been getting from people or have you been getting a lot of feedback from people who are reading the book and what, yeah, what has I've that gotten, been like? I've gotten a lot of feedback from people. It's most, I, I have to say all of it has been very, very positive. The most negative was my father-in-law's sweet little 84 year old girlfriend who, you know, just, it was depressing. That's what, that was what she said. It was the most depressing book I've ever read, but I didn't, I, that's, that's the only kind of negative that I've gotten from it, you know, I've gotten compliments on how it was written, which I'm very proud of, but also Isaac, I, I want people to know Isaac and, and I've had so many positive comments about him and, you know, encouragement to him. And um, I just want people to know him and know that he is, he, yeah, he's been, he's like, it's like a human whack-a-mole you know, but he still keeps popping that head up and still keeps moving. Is he open yeah. to people reaching out to him that have read the book? Yeah. The, the he podcast is. you've been on, he's like, will he respond? And, and if people have questions directly for him, he, he's yes. open to that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've, we've talked, we haven't talked recently, um, but we've talked about doing uh, a few things together where I, you know, I can introduce the book, but ultimately this is, I mean, it's my book, but it is his story. And, and he, you know, we tell our own stories the best. So yeah, he's, he's very open. I think he's been on a couple of podcasts, one with a, a former FLDS man and his wife, um, Sam and Melissa, I think. Um, I can't remember their last name, but he was on, on that podcast and, um, I, I think he'd be very, I know he'd be very, very open to answering questions and talking. When did you finish the book? I finished the book in 20, let's see, we're in 2024 now, right? I finished the book and got it to the publisher in September of 2022 and got the books back on December 21st, 2022, which was my anniversary. So that was kind of a great anniversary gift is so fun to look at the books how many uh, copies are out there that you've that you know of roughly probably 400 maybe i that's a that's a whole other episode I, I got, you know i got hooked up with a somebody who promised that they could help me market my book and i believed her and oh man i got scammed big time and and she set up uh, uh, an account to sell it and so I think we sold about 50 copies there I've never seen a penny of it the the account was completely controlled by her and never turned over to me and and because of that um, because of my experience with her I am involved with the um, Utah Attorney General's office in their prosecution of her their criminal case against her so yeah, books front and center on that one. 
and and it did it, that kind of knocked the wind out of me a little bit as far as getting getting the book out there this summer was it was hard um i found out about the the investigation in well the attorney general's office the end of june i found out about an investigation that was going on that wasn't the attorney general's office um in may and then when all of this came about and learning things and doing things and um being actively involved in this and being in court and stuff it just it's like it it did it did a number on me a little bit and i just i couldn't hardly look at my book and one day i just said you know what this is crazy we worked so hard on this together we worked so hard on this book and people have a right to read this and isaac has a right for people to hear his story so i'm i'm regrouping and i'll i'll get that part of it figured out what do you hope people get from this, from reading your book and, and hearing Isaac's story? A I'm few sure things. A thousand lessons they can learn, but what do you, give me two or one. Two? I don't know. Pick one. Pick how many of you, what lessons you think you ought, people should get from this or could get from this. I think one of them is that there are things going on, illegal things legally happening, happening if that makes sense. The yes, illegal things being allowed to legally happen. Yeah, exactly. Being overlooked and, and it's real. And these people are real and they're, they're, you know, in their prairie dresses and their fancy hairdo and, and, um, you know, all of that, these, these people are absolutely real people and they, they can't fix this themselves. They need, they need us. They need us to step up and help. Because, but for the grace of God, there go I. Well, how can, because they're so secretive, how, I mean, are they one? Is your understanding that, that there's, there's people still inside the, the FLDS church that want out, that want help, but don't know there how are. to ask or can't or aren't allowed? Or, I mean, how does, can someone on the outside just interject themselves into their world and try to save them? No. No, it's, it's, it's a very closed, closed society. So the way that it can happen is by talk, talk to your, talk to your legislators, talk to the, uh, talk to the attorney general's office, talk to the, the governor, talk to, uh, you know, they put polygamy used to be a felony in the state of Utah, that they changed that. I don't know how many years ago, it's now just a misdemeanor and they just sort of overlook it. Um, and my opinion is, I don't care how many wives you have. I don't care how many husbands you have. If that's the life that you choose, not the life that somebody chooses for you, then that's your business. But when the kids are harmed, when there is abuse going on, if if this kind of abuse um, was happening somewhere else, the law would step in and get those children out of this mess. But because it's under the guise of religion, uh, they just get away with it, and and the kids are the kids are are they they're they're being abused, they're being trafficked, they're being um, it's you know it's it's not good, and I, I that's that's one of the takeaways is that they they can't do this because I don't think they all understand um, how wrong it is. You know, I've talked to there's a a, a group called Holding Out Help. That's the group that helps. It's a nonprofit. It's a legit nonprofit that helps 
the former polygamous FLDS get into society. And so I've been to a few of their their fundraisers or their meetings and, and things and I've talked to some of these former FLDS members who have made comments about, you know, we just, this was just the way we did things. This was just what we were just doing, what we were told, what we believed was right. And, and there's a lot of, um, at least with a couple that I've talked to, a lot of sadness, a lot of, I can't believe that, that we did. I wish I hadn't put my kids through this. I wish I hadn't. And it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking, but they need outside help, whether it is through donating to something like holding out help. And if you're going to donate to a, a nonprofit, check the nonprofit out, check it through the IRS, check it through the, uh, make sure that they've got a business license, make sure that they are a legitimate 501c3 company. Um, holding out help is. And and I would recommend, you know, if you want to do some good and help that way. Um, and they can also use help uh, with, you know, if you want to donate time as a as a, a counselor or a teacher or a, or you have a place for for these people to stay or they I mean, they do so much and they want to do so much more because there is so much more to be done. Would now be a, a time for lack of a better term, a time to strike while Warren Jeffs is incarcerated. I know he still has control to some extent, but I guess, or are they are, or, or, or his followers still so loyal that there's no way. There are, there are many who are still so loyal that they, to talk them out of there. And, 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 and I understand that because it's all they know. And, and if they get out, um, what do you what do you do with this family that you have? You, you have two, three, four, five wives. You've got sixty kids. I mean, Isaac's dad had twelve wives, and Isaac's got sixty brothers and sisters, which is just mind boggling. And um, but the ones that are the ones that are getting out, and and they're and and they need help because they're the ones who are actually going to be able to make the difference because they're, they know how that works. They know, you know, the, the ins and outs and, and how it works. So they need to be strengthened and they need to be taught and they need the, they need the resources and the support so that they can do, so that they can get their kids out so that they can um, uh, teach others and, and have a voice and have a voice in the state lawmaking um be able to get up and and speak and tell their stories so that lawmakers can see this is this is a problem this is a huge problem and this is a huge black eye on utah big time well and and people lump that group in with the mainstream lds church as well yes yeah you know I, I think i was at disneyland a few years ago and i told this guy behind me where i was from i said utah and he's like oh we're uh, where's your other wife? And I just like, I didn't want to fight them. I said, well, I just, I, I have one that travels with me, one that stays home and does the chores. <laughs> that's awesome. So I bat an eye. I just, <laughs> but that's, that mentality is still there. It is. It is. Like yeah, it is. And it's just, it's yeah. That and the fact that just keep going. Just, I mean, 
If Isaac, and, I, and I've thought about that a lot. I mean, I've been through a lot. I was widowed when I was 28 and I was, you know, remarried and had um, four more kids. So we've got six and my husband adopted our oldest ones, my oldest ones. And, and then five years ago, it'll be six years this year. My youngest daughter, who was 23 at the time, was widowed. So we've lost a son-in-law and, and all that, all that stuff just, you know, went through a major depression, went through, um, uh, you know, weight loss journey, that all this kind of stuff. And honestly, I just look at somebody like Isaac and think, you know, if he can get through and continue and not just, not just roll up in a ball somewhere, um, then I can do this. I can do what comes my way. And I, I hope that people, I hope that people take that away from his story that it, it is possible it is possible to still find some happiness and some joy, even when there seems to be none to be found. And he's, he's very remarkable that way. Well, to come and again, maybe he is bitter, but to come out of that and not be, I guess being bitter just drained you. So maybe he's just realizing no, can't do that anymore. Cause yeah, he suffered some great losses. And he did. He did. And I think he, I think he battles that, but he, he also knows what the end of the price that, that exacts on you. If you, if you just give into that. And so he's, you know, he's got, he has, there's part of me that wishes I had his kind of faith to be able to just turn it all over to God and work hard and do, but I don't. And, and then there's another part of me that doesn't want that kind of faith because I still, I, I, I think we were sent here to learn how to think on our own as well. And, and uh, not, not allow someone else to do our thinking for us. Well, and to, he's got every reason to say, screw you, God, you don't exist because you allowed all this misery and pain and continue yeah. to allow this misery and pain and abuse to happen. I can yep. totally can. I wouldn't judge anyone for saying, nope, we're done, checking out, not doing this. Well, very interesting that a lot of them that I've talked to um, that have left escaped. I don't think any of them just sort of leave. They they escape um, or they're kicked out. And almost every one of them that I've talked to, um, including Isaac's first wife, that I've I've had some great conversations with her. What an amazing woman she is. But they don't believe in God they they walk away from everything and and as they explain what they've been through and what they've seen and what their families are going through what they were put through i get it i i you know i'm like you i i get it i can see absolutely see why you would say yeah no 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 and and that's heartbreaking to me but i, I understand it in fact i think it would be hard one of isaac's brothers um, who was kicked out, actually joined the mainstream LDS church. And to be honest with you, I don't know how that works. After hearing everything that they believe and what they've been through and and how, where it started and how it happened, and I don't know how it works. I God bless the man, but I don't I don't know how you I don't know how you make that jump. Well, it's a it's like Mormon light mm -hmm. coming to mainstream after coming from FLDS mainstream is easy yeah right right yeah speaking. well because if you if you 
That somebody asked me one time what the difference was between the FLDS and the LDS. And I said, well, I could just stop going to church tomorrow. I could just walk away from everything and I would keep my house and I would keep my job and I would keep my family and I would keep my, you know, my bank accounts and I would keep me and continue on. And I would still be able to talk to people that were in my ward. I would still have a be able to have a relationship with my family. I would still, but for them, everything all is gone. All or nothing. Everything, yeah, everything is gone. That's the difference. And that's the that's the chokehold mm -hmm. manipulation. Yeah. And I just, I just, I just hope people will. I hope people will read it and and. And let me know what you think. I loved your I loved your review, um, and I appreciate that so much that you put that on Amazon. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a gut wrenching story. Absolutely. What as we maybe wrapping up this chat? What haven't I asked you about this story, Isaac's story, and your process, and this experience you've had that that maybe I should have, or you want me? To that you, that I that you wanted me to ask that I didn't. I'm not sure. I think we've covered. Or what do you want people to know that maybe we haven't touched on? And if we touched on, we've if we've got it all, then that's okay. Yeah, that's a hard that's a hard one to hard one to answer. I'll probably wake up about two o'clock in the morning and go, oh, that's what it was. Oh, sharing your stories. Everybody has a story, and and like I talked to Isaac's first wife, and um. I could, I could, we could write her story from this same time period and it would look, probably look completely different than Isaac's because Isaac's is through his lens and hers is through her lens. And so I think that, I mean, that's, it's what I, it's, that's my thing. It's what I teach. You need to, you need to write your story, your stories, share your stories. Don't compare your story with your sister or your brother. Just, it's it's your story through your eyes so that down the line generations down the line somebody knows you and um and your story just may become a lifeline for somebody that you'll never ever ever meet and i believe that isaac's story will be a lifeline to people probably people that he knows because he knows uh, they all, they know each other but I think that his, I think his story and his, and, and yeah, he, the courage and the bravery that it took for him to be able to speak out and to tell this story, the more I learn about the FLDS church, the more I learn about Warren Jeffs, the more I learn about their, um, their own government that they had down in Short Creek and their, their laws and the, the way that they were taken care of and, and, and enacted for him to agree to tell this much of his story took greater courage than I, I, I can't, I, I can't adequately explain the courage that that took for him to be able to share this. And, um, and I do believe that it will be a lifeline to many, many who, who need a dose of that courage and need to see that, see his courage. I, I think you open the pages of this book and you will learn what courage looks like. Mm, agreed. And 
now that you know now that he's out he he's under no threat anymore for telling the story right or or can he still be harmed by this by the the club um i don't know that they're ever completely free i i don't i know a few that have left who have legally changed their names um i don't know that they're ever completely and totally free the biggest thing is that they won't they probably won't talk to him because they're afraid that he'll be able to sway them because he's an evil deceiver. And now that he shared his story with the Gentiles, which is everybody outside of the, the FLDS church, he's on a completely different level. So I think that he's much more free to share his story. And especially as there more time goes and more time passes. Yeah. And I asked him about that. Um, will they, will they come after you? My, my dad was worried about me putting my name on the book. And I said, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid of, of he's, he's sharing the story. This is his story. Well, Charlene, thank you so much. It's really good to talk with you and, and, and get your perspective on it. And it, it's a phenomenal story. It's heart wrenching and it's stressful. I've never been stressed by reading a book before, but I was literally weird anxiety for him that this is 20 years old or something that, when all this yeah. was going on, or within the last 20 years. So it's, uh, so everyone get the, but it's devotion, deception, and deliverance. And then what's the other little subhead? Isaac's uh, between, I, devotion, I deception, deliverance, Isaac's story. Okay. And, and, um, and if you want to know more, if you want to learn more about this little group of people, um, there's a Netflix docuseries called, uh, Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. That's how I've um, seen that. And it's, it's those people that are in that. Um, I had to walk away from it when we sat down to watch it. I had to walk away several times because now I'm seeing the faces of the names that I wrote about. And uh, it just, you know, I, I just, you know, that that anxiety kind of being able to see that. Um, but those are Isaac's people. He knows all of them and they know him. And um, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a, great introduction into this very closed for lack of a better word dysfunctional part of society um i think it's a it would be a good one to watch and i really appreciate you uh purchasing the book and reading it and having me on well it's been fun it's been my pleasure uh, i really enjoyed the book and talking with you and if there's how, how do people reach you or what's the best way they can get a copy of this book is it through your website through amazon what's what works it's best on it it's on amazon um they can also order it through my website and if it's if they order it through my website storieswithcharlene.com um then i'll send them a signed copy and uh and you know a few other little things to go with it um so either way they can they can order it either way and and then, and then when they do, I, I would love to hear from them. I would love to hear from, I, uh, of course, leaving a review on Amazon is very, very nice, very important, but I would love to hear from them personally. And I will, I will get back with them. Anybody that reaches out and has questions. And, um, and if somebody wanted to reach out to Isaac, is that something we uh, can share? Can we share an email address or, or some way to reach I, him if he wanted, or does it go through you? I don't have an email for him right now. I think for the time being, go through me and okay. I, but I will definitely put you in 
in contact with him. I need to make sure that he's good with me giving his contact information out. I'm, I'm sure that he is, but um, as soon as I, in fact, as soon as I get his okay, I'll put that on my website as well so that you can reach out to him and talk to him. Cause I think you'd enjoy visiting with him. He's a, oh, I'd love to have him give as much detail as he wants, you know, directly. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Really I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him about it. If he's willing. Yeah. Yeah. Me and, me and my 17 followers. Well, you know, it's better. It's, it's more than one. And so this is, that's right. This is awesome. We'll just, we'll just build it all up together, but yeah. Well, and then I was wondering if you want to, do you want to do, um, talk about Candace at some point in time? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal too. So we could segue into that for another episode about getting scammed and what that's like. Yeah. Well, and I have a, on my website, I have their, their, it's website is like a work in progress, although it doesn't look like a work in progress. It looks like it's done, but it's, we're adding things. But if you go to the top of it, there's a tab that says feature and the drop down says hook line and sinker. And I've written a little bit about my story strategies to, to keep from being scammed. And I'm, I'm going to start putting that out on social media as well. So if you want to read that, that kind of. Okay. Yeah. Little- well, let's, let's do a follow up there. But yeah, I appreciate I would- you coming on again. It's good to talk with you, and and this is this is good stuff for all my listeners. And we'll get all this details in the show notes. And thank you again. And I hear your you, sounds like your canine security system is going off. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. she's yeah. There, that's all right. Yeah, she's she's hasn't had enough attention, you know. Well, thank you, Charlene. Again, thank you, Brian. Thank you all again for making it to the end. I want to once again thank our sponsors for this episode the Legacy Group Real Estate, and Gertson Clothing Company. Please visit their website at LegacyRealEstateUtah.com and Gertson.com. G-E-E-R-T-S-E-N.com. Thank you again for listening to The Parish The Thought Show. We know you have many podcast options and appreciate that you have chosen us. If you love what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. And don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. If you hate what you hear, only tell us. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from The Parish the Thought Show.